Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Jenny Ford. Jenny is an academic advisor, a department chair, and an educator with many years of experience in both private and public education. In the second part of this interview, we are going to continue with a diverse number of topics, and Jenny's going to continue talking about technology in the classroom and how it impacts learning and how teachers can make use of that effectively. Also, managing the differences in a Christian school in terms of the the beliefs systems that students and parents have within a school, because while there are are usually going to be an adherence to a core set of doctrine. There's a lot of distinctions and differences that take place among the students and the families at home. Also, Jenny is going to talk to us about teacher workload and how how a person navigates that and sometimes the importance and the necessity of saying no to additional requests and demands. So without any further ado, let's continue with part two of my interview with Jenny Ford. The content of the world is at our our children's fingertips. And the reality is we can't just say, I don't think we can just say anymore to our students, well, you never know, you know, you, you may end up needing to be able to work out long division someday by hand. I mean, that's just never going to fly. But I do think it's a legitimate question question that students have about why do I need to know this information? And so I I feel like we're in this this, um, changing um, uh, time of education and that we can't just say, well, you just need to have the information anymore because those those days of the Encyclopedia Britannica's lining the shelves, I mean, they're they're gone, right? We're, We're not probably going back to those. And yet at the same time, it's not just about acquisition of information. So anything that you have to share, you know, for parents or for educators about how do you engage in those kind of conversations? And then when do you just end up saying, you just got to do it and just trust me that I know what I'm talking about. Right. And, you know, kids don't like just, you know, just learn how to do long division because it's good for you, kind of. Right. As you have said, it's more it's more about thinking. It's more about a thought process. Um, I mentioned earlier teaching Latin and uh, people are. I don't know if they're dazzled by that. I'm not quite sure why, um, because it's not it's a much easier language to learn than English. And um I tell my students all the time, you know, don't worry about mispronouncing it because the people who care about that are dead. And (laughs) so, you know, we'll do the best we can. Um, But one of the things that I, I emphasize with students is that, and I don't know all the technical terms in terms of brain structure or synapses, but I do know that for instance, learning another language uses similar pro- thought processes as um, science reasoning does. Even though the topics 
are probably not similar, but there's there are some thought processes. And so, so that's that's often what I tell students is, you know, why do I need to know this? And sometimes I tell them, you may not need to know these specific facts. It's more about the process you're engaging in, in terms of how am I going to find information and then how am I going to process that or sort of um, put it through a strainer to pull out the value what's valuable about it and um you know you can probably remember when we had to research something we had to go to the library and you know look at microfilm and you know all all kinds of interesting ways of storing and retrieving information and as you said the kids have it at their fingertips um so again to me it, it comes back to helping them develop some discernment and helping them in terms of okay what kind of information can they rely on and what kind of information do they need to to check on um i know many times if i'm if we're preparing for a research project of some kind we talk about websites. You know, what websites do you know you can go to and get accurate information? And so, you know, of course I have some in mind and I, but I like to see what the kids think. And um, so just trying to help them realize that just because they see something online doesn't mean that it's true. And I think in this age of AI, people can use that to present just about anything. I mean, they could have take a picture of, of you or of me and manipulate it so that it looks like we are someplace we've never ever been before. And helping them, you know, realize that okay, what they're seeing may not be accurate. And, you know, just, I think helping them, and sometimes you mentioned failure earlier. I mean, I am, I mean, it becomes a joke in my classroom because I'll be all ready to show the students something that I have found online, a resource or something, and then I won't have the projector on. So I'll start the video and they can hear it. And then, you know, someone, you know, sheepishly says, um, we can't see that. So I feel like I'm constantly giving them examples of failure. But, you know, yes, a, a lot of kids are afraid to fail because what they, I think what they see around them, particularly where technology is concerned, is they're seeing a finished product. They're not seeing all of the mistakes that led to the finished product. So I try to, to um, I guess, make mistakes grand, so to speak, in terms of just, you know, letting them know, okay, look, you know, I could, I could walk out of here and say, oh, that lesson was a failure because I forgot to turn the projector on. And, you know, so the, I'll, I'll say to them, you know, do you all think it was a failure? And most of them, of course, are going to say, well, no, I mean, we learned what you wanted us to learn or, 
whatever, you know, I mean, it, it didn't come off without a hitch. And anytime I'm trying to use technology in the classroom, I know that there is going to be an issue. It just seems like there usually is. Um, and so just being flexible, I think, is one of the main things. And, and most people who have been in education, you know, have been in the classroom, know that flexibility is key and, you know, learning to adapt and roll with it, so to speak. And that's where, you know, I think we can help students anytime. I think anytime adults can um, bring kids alongside of them, you know, to say, you know, look, I made a mistake and here's what I'm doing to correct it, or here's what I'm going to do differently. Um, you know, we, in some ways we live in sort of an airbrushed world where we see the final product and we're not seeing, you know, I remind students that, you know, inventors that we talk about from the past, they didn't invent whatever it was the first time they tried. So helping them learn, I guess, to fail well. I mean, I would rather a student learn to fail in middle school or high school than if they're out on their own in college somewhere or at trade school. And I guess the stakes are higher, plus they don't necessarily have their support network around them but you know better to to make mistakes and learn the hard way so to speak when they're still kind of in their nest at home is i think and, and i think that's where um, i think cr christian education can be really valuable is um not only just coming from a biblical worldview in terms of information, but also just having the opportunity to pray for students, pray for their families, um, pray with them, and just to talk about, you know, who they are and how, how their relationship with Christ is developing. I think, you know, that's so integral to who we are as individuals and, you know, at the heart of who God has made us to be, that that is, as a Christian who is also an educator, you know, really that's more than anything, what I want to do for my students is help them establish that relationship and learn to grow in that so that they can then reach other people. Exactly. There was an interview that I had the privilege of doing earlier with someone in a different organization, and they had been doing some research about Christian schools and, and Christian education in the United States. And one of the things that they found was that there are some schools um, and homeschool cooperatives, for example, that are more Christian than providing education. And there are some that are more about education than Christian. And I think that it's important to recognize that, that we are trying to achieve both and that we don't do students any 
favors if our focus is so much on, well, as long as you come out with being a Christian in a very narrow sense of, okay, you've accepted Christ. The way that I phrase it is kind of like you've got your salvation ticket to heaven punched, okay? If we don't give our students any vision for life and, and what Christianity is all about beyond them, we put them at risk of leading mediocre, li- mediocre lives or what we put them at risk of is saying at a certain point, I just don't see the relevance of, of Christianity to, to everything else in my life and just walking away from, from the faith. So as someone who deeply values Christian beliefs and at the same time has a heart for quality education, what, what would you say to people, either to parents who are looking at, or maybe they have a child enrolled in a Christian school, as well as people who are teaching at a Christian school, what are some of the benefits and what are some of the possible um, downsides or vulnerabilities that somebody has to honestly be prepared to say this, this may be there and it's not all going to be sunshine and roses, whether it's as a parent or as an educator. And so how do we deal with this with authenticity? That's an excellent question. And um, among, you know, our school has a statement of belief that we as a school uphold and, you know, we share that with our families so that they know, okay, here's where we're coming from. And, you know, families themselves have, you know, most people sort of are on a continuum, I guess you could say. And, you know, where you have, I guess you could say, very, a very conservative approach and um, interpretation versus more, um, like you were saying, they sort of have their ticket to heaven punched. You know, their faith may not be an integral part of who they are in their everyday lives. So, um, I think having opportunities in in a Christian school, whether it's homeschool or in a classroom setting, to discuss, you know, how does this fit into our faith, into, you know, our relationship with Christ? How can this help you be a better follower of Christ? So one of the I guess it's it's a challenge and it's also helpful is, you know, we do have different backgrounds. We do have different, you know, I guess, personal beliefs about what what is okay and what we think is not okay. Um, You know, for instance, um, let's say, you know, talk about like appropriate dress. I mean, there are some people would say it's not appropriate to wear something that doesn't have sleeves, whereas somebody else would say, you know, a tank top is fine. So we all have different ideas of what we find acceptable. And so, you know, within the context of Christianity, individual Christians have different, I guess, understandings and so kind of bringing that to the table. And so I think that's one way that um, 
I mentioned the statement of belief that our school has. We, we ask parents and students to sign it saying, you know, recognizing that, okay, this is what the school will be um, teaching, if you will, or, you know, this is, this is the foundation we're working with here. I mean, that provides an opportunity to sort of come back to that in times of maybe disagreement and say, okay, here's what we have said, okay, we will agree to this and, you know, build on that from there. And so, you know, that is a challenge. Not everybody at a Christian school is going to agree about everything. And just as in greater society, people aren't going to agree on everything. And so, you know, even learning within the Christian community to have, um, a, in some ways, agree to disagree is, you know, kind of have to go back to, okay, what's the foundation of it all? And what can we agree on, I think is helpful. Right. And I think it's important for parents to understand that even if you have a school has that statement of belief and has a requirement that their staff and educators adhere to that, that's not the same thing as saying every family who is attending that school that all the students and all the parents and everybody else is in agreement with that. And, and, and it goes way beyond the issues and they're legitimate issues as far as dress code and all of those things. I mean, those are also part of our lives, but we also have these issues about gender and sexuality and human expression and all these other things. And so one of the, the, um, uh, just, insights that I would give to parents is to understand that your students are also going to be impacted by other students. And it's not just their friends that they're associating with outside of the school, because there can be a, a conversation that occurs with a student during, during a lunch break, for example, that can implant an idea that may very much not align with what the school is upholding. And so I've encountered that before where sometimes parents kind of have this idea that, oh, we're all here at this school together. We're all kind of advocating for the same things on very significant issues at home. And I thought, oh, you're going to be in for a rude awakening someday to realize that's not what's happening. And so, again, we don't want to go at things from a position of fear. And I really like the fact that as you've talked through all of this, that the attitude that you have been demonstrating and advocating is to be proactive. It's not to be fearful, but it's to engage in those conversations rather than trying to run from issues because students have to learn how to engage in conversations um, about meaningful and, and controversial things. So one of the things that I know um, you know, just at education at a whole right now in the United States is going through a lot of upheaval. And I think that there are some good things that can come out of that. But one of the things that I do think can happen is educators, especially those who have who went through COVID and, and dealt with all all of those issues, what, whatever they were, um, there's a lot of fatigue and there's just a lot of overwhelm that that I've heard. Um, even from teachers in Christian schools. And it's not that they're burnt out and like hate students and, you know, and all of that, but it's a matter that 
educators, um, one of, one of the things that that I know with education is educators are in this position where they do primarily a lot of sowing. They're planting seeds, they're watering, they're pulling the weeds. It is rare to experience the harvest of all of that work. And that's a hard place to live in. And so I think it brings with it its own set of challenges and needing to have authentic encouragement for educators is something that, that I think we can't do enough of. And not just in some, oh, you're a teacher, you're awesome kind of way, but real meaningful encouragement and recognition of, of the work that goes into that. So anything that you would just share that you would like, whether it's for parents, whether it's for students, or even for um, administrators and leadership at a Christian school, just to be mindful of, of what's it like to be an educator right now you know, in the U.S., in a Christian environment, and what are some things that you would, some encouragement that you would like to give, number one, and then also some insights that you would like to give to say, hey, here's how you can help us so we don't get that, hit that point of being burnout. Yeah, you're right. It is definitely overwhelming. In fact, now that it's July, I can sort of, I, I can start to feel my, um, sort of anxiety starting to ramp up in terms of, okay, well, I haven't gotten the things done at home that I had plans to do by this point in the summer. And now it's time to start thinking about plans, you know, lesson plans and all of the other administrative things that come into teaching, um, preparing for the year to begin. So, it is very easy to be overwhelmed. And um, I think sometimes I think particularly, um, well, really in, in just about any realm of education is that there is, there are, what well, educators are asked to do a lot and for either no compensation or you know very little compensation and you know when i consider friends who work in other sectors i mean they're appalled when i if i mention something that i need to do and i'm not directly compensated for it just because in their industry that's unheard of um so education definitely works differently than other sectors in terms of jobs are concerned. Um, and so I think, I think one of the challenges is as an educator, time is limited uh, for everyone. And so we have to, to discern what's the most effective use of our time and um you know back to technology um it takes some time but finding ways that technology can help make some tasks for teachers less of a burden for instance 
um, I mentioned earlier, I use Google Classroom. And so students submit most of their assignments that way. So that has eliminated the paper shuffling that I've done in the past. And, um, you know, I think gets to more of a reason that I have students turn in work that they've done, you know, so that I can see if if they're learning the concepts that we're studying and I can give them more timely direct feedback because it's, you know, electronic and it's immediate. So, you know, that has definitely that has helped sort of um, contained some of the work in, you know, rather than having stacks and stacks of papers to shuffle around. But I think, you know, one of the things that educators, I think we're guilty of is agreeing to add to our responsibilities and then not letting go of something else. And um, so, and I think that there's a, an expectation in education that people will just continue to add and add and add to their responsibilities. And so there's not a recognition that something has to give. And so in terms of that feeling overwhelmed, I mean, um, I admire when people say, no, I'm not going to take on this extra responsibility or I'll take on this extra responsibility if someone else can help with this other responsibility that I've been taking care of. So, you know, learning to let go of some things in order to say yes to other things, I think can help with the reducing the amount of stress educators have. Um, and, and I do know that as you mentioned, the COVID did help a lot of people, parents and others see how, how much teachers really do. And I think has helped people show their appreciation more for, for teachers and um, to give them a little glimpse of what, what it truly is like. Um, and so I think just recognizing that we're people and we have a limit to what we can do, what we want to do is really important. Um, and of course, you know, being able to compensate people more would be wonderful. I'm not sure how you solve that issue. Uh, but it's, it is very easy to start feeling overwhelmed and, um, just kind of, I guess, taking it one step at a time and realizing that, you know, it's not, it's not going to, you know, it takes a, it may take a full school year to teach to the objectives of a course. You're not going to do everything on day one. And keeping that in mind is helpful, I think.
Well, that kind of brings us back to one of the things that we began with, and that was your um, insight to not work harder than you are asking your your students to work, and and so and being able to have those boundaries and saying, I'm not just here as an educator; I'm a human being first. And I do have other roles and responsibilities with my life. And, you know, besides just showing up in, in the classroom. All right, my friend, that is going to wrap up today's episode and my interview with Jenny Ford. And so I just value and appreciate your being here. And I know that you have some things in, the, in this interview that have been an encouragement to you, whether you are educating in a public school, a private school, and there are things that you can apply even here as a, as a homeschooler. Perhaps you are part of a home education co-op that you can also make use of some of this information and definitely the encouragement. Well, if you haven't already, make sure to hop on over to the website, stephaniepresents.com. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you're going to think, wait, 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 what happened? Well, the key three educators content, I have moved to my main website. So now you're going to want to go to stephaniepresents.com and you're going to have all of the information relevant to you as a school leader, teacher, and home educator there on that website. Remember this, my friend, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable.